This is the Vent Time with Connie podcast, where we discuss topics that can be controversial or uncontroversial. Topics range from family, faith, lifestyle, you name it. No topic is off limits. New episodes released every Tuesday and Friday. All right, sit back and relax. Here is your host of the show, Connie. Welcome to Venture with Connie Podcast. I'm your host, Connie. In this interview that I held this past Saturday, which is like yesterday, I talked to Tamika Mori and we talked about finding joy in your niche. Before we go ahead to the interview, I want to first apologize ahead of time. When it comes to my part, when I'm talking, my volume was a little bit low. Um, we are still work. We are working on it, trying to fix the volume for next time. So, guys, I apologize ahead of time. When it comes to my part, make sure you turn up your volume a little bit high so you can hear me clearly. Okay, and guys, please make sure you join us live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to watch the video version of this podcast, make sure you go to the Venta with Connie Facebook and like that page so you can get all the video updates. And also, you can follow us on. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Venture with Connie podcast. Okay, guys, without wasting any time, they got the interview I had with Samika Mori. Enjoy. So, guys, uh, without wasting any time, let's dive right into the topic of today. As you can see in the screen, is finding joy in your niche. Our guest today, she was born in the urban seaside town of Atlantic City, New Jersey. Yes, she is the owner of Celestial. Um, publishing company, a certified social worker, freelance writer, and soon to be an author. Yes, she plans to release her book this year, September 1st, and her her book is titled Crying, Learning, and Laughing, Why Students Visit the Teen Center. She do have a subspot for children and teens, which propels her to help over 200 children and adolescents during her career as an adjunct English instructor and case manager. Her education background is in literature and social work. Her writing has appeared in over 50 online publications through ghostwriting. I'm talking about Tamika Mori. Hi, Tamika. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you here. So I hope you came with a lot of energy because we're going to have a good time today. <laughs> I, I did. Know. I did. That's good. <laughs> That's good. But before we dive into the topic of today, I want to ask, how are you feeling? Like, how are you adjusting with the COVID-19, the pandemic? You know, how is your family? How is your health? How, how are you doing? My health, thankfully, my health is really good. And I have not had the misfortune of having any family members contract COVID. Yeah. Thank goodness. Um, yeah, we've all been safe. Um, but my heart does go out to the people who have lost loved ones, you know, or are struggling with it themselves. Um, it really is a, it's a, it's a sad time in our history right now. It is. That's true. Yeah. A lot of people have lost their job. A lot of people have lost family mm-hmm. members and some people haven't even seen their, any of their family members for months now because they are stuck. I know. I know. Yeah. That's it's crazy. terrible. It really is. But, you know, I've kept everybody in my prayers and I just hope that, you know, as the year progresses, that they can come up with some type of treatment for this, 
you know, to help the people that are contracting it because it, it really is no joke. <laughs> it it's isn't. Not. It's not. People are dropping like flies. Like that thing can kill yeah. like this. And some people don't even have any side effects and they just have this one side effect and that would be it. Exactly. A lot of asymptomatic people. Um, I actually do know of one person. Um, they don't live in my state of New Jersey, but they live in, I believe, South Carolina. And their work um, profession is nursing. And she came down with it and had no symptoms whatsoever. And the only reason that she found out that she had it is because she had treated a patient with it. So everyone who came into contact you know, with that patient had to be tested. And that's how she found out. Otherwise, she was perfectly normal, you know, no side effects or anything. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, our prayers goes I out know. for our prayers goes out for all the fam anybody that been affected to this and even of your even even if it's your family members, our prayer goes out mm -hmm. for all of you guys. And um yeah. Tamika, we do have a lot to talk about today. So I just want us to just dive right into it. Okay. Are you ready for this? Okay. Topic? Ah, sounds good. It's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, so today's topic is finding joy in your niche. A lot of people have struggled with finding that meaningful career that makes them light up every time someone asks them, "What do you do for a living?" I mean, you have met a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Even you, I was, I believe to say, I believe you experience this when people ask you, "What do you do for a living?" That excitement, that your face just lit up. You know, you just talking about what you do. <laughs> Because that's what mm -hmm. you feel like is your that's what you are called to do. Basically, that, that business that that business venture that won't only bring food to the table, but also make mm -hmm. you feel joy in your heart. That's like everyone's desire. So you have a, such a remarkable story, especially when it comes to you helping children and teens. I can't help but to ask, mm -hmm. where does your love for children and teens stems from? Is it about what is it about what you saw growing up? You know. I had a relatively, you know, I don't like to use the word normal, but I had a pretty stable, you know, childhood. Um, I grew up with a single mother, you know, in Atlantic City. And we also lived with my maternal grandparents who, you know, helped raise me as well. So I was surrounded by family, which was very important. And I will say that I had an aunt who has since passed on. She was a foster mother and she lived in the Bronx. And I got to have a lot of contact with children that were in the foster system, starting from a very early age. That's what she did. You know, she gave her whole life to helping children that were in the system. You know, she would take them in. She make sure that they, you know, went to Catholic school and had everything that they didn't have in their regular homes. And she actually ended up adopting two children um wow. during her time as a foster mom yeah so that i can honestly say my aunt you know seeing that that definitely had an impact on me growing up that's good you know i mean i have had a lot of people growing up too you see how mm -hmm. like coming from nigeria or any african countries sometimes even in the movies they show these people will mm -hmm. get pregnant or it was unplanned mm -hmm. and they will have these children and they will drop them off by the gutters or by the street because yeah. they can't raise that child. They don't have the money to raise that child. So I can see that mm -hmm. that kind of experience uh, impacting people to just want to help children, especially especially children in the foster care or in the orphanage home. So thank you for yes. doing that because they need that. 
They definitely do. And I'm sure my aunt impacted a lot of children's lives, you know, during her time on this earth. So. Yeah. Thank God for your aunt and people like you. Because <laughs> you guys are doing a marvelous job in children's and teens' lives. Um, so you have helped like over 200 children and adolescents during your yeah. career as an adjunct English instructor and case manager. That's impressive. Mm -hmm. Like, how does that make you feel knowing the fact that you have impacted over 200 children and teens? And you know what? Honestly, that number is probably a little bit low <laughs> because because <laughs> um, I was doing the numbers in my head, you know, after, you know, I did the book cover. And I'm like, you know what? Honestly, it was more than that because, you know, at my time at the teen center, we had, um, you know, in social work, a lot of times it's a, it's a numbers game. You know, you have to make sure that you're seeing as many children as possible. So, you know, during the school year, I could see and have contact with well over a hundred kids, you know, in, in one school year. Um, but it makes me feel fantastic that I was able to, you know, just help brighten somebody's day, you know, even if it was just for an hour, um, giving them my attention and letting them talk and vent because a lot of children and adolescents, they feel very unheard, you know, whether yes. it's at home or if they're in society, you know, whatever the case may be, um, sometimes they just need somebody to talk to. That's true. And I think sometimes, uh, like you say, you mentioned that a lot of them, they feel unheard. And I think that's why mm -hmm. sometimes we think of, we, think, we view them as being um, misbehaving or very rebellious mm -hmm. because they just want to be yeah. heard. You know, they want their voice to be heard. And mm -hmm. I know I don't I don't know about your experience, but I know working with teenagers can, uh, can sometimes be very difficult. So because I know teens, like I said before, they have different mood swings and they deal with a lot. Sometimes they don't know how to express it or vocalize it. So what was one of the mm -hmm. most difficult situation at the teen center teen center for you? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I can honestly say that we had a lot of children or adolescents that were struggling with depression. You know, depression is, oh, goodness, it's, it, it impacts pretty much every facet of your life. You know, if you're depressed, um, you don't want to get out of bed. Hygiene can become an issue. Your sleep pattern is disrupted. And for somebody who's in school, that makes it very difficult for them to just function in class, you know, and just be able to pay attention and do the work or, you know, not necessarily have a short fuse, you know, if somebody is, you know, bullying them or just being annoying, you know, they could snap. Um, so there was a variety at, at the teen center. I can't really think of one kid in particular where I was like, wow, you know, that kid just, err. but um, I'm just thinking in terms, you know, I always think on an individual case. And, you know, for me, it was most difficult dealing with the kids who were dealing with issues at home that I couldn't necessarily help them with. Um, that, that was the hardest thing for me because, you know, when you're working in the school, you see, you know, they bring everything from home with them. They do. And, you know, of course, not all of the kids were struggling with issues at home, but a great deal of them were. And so that was the biggest issue, you know, 
what could you do for them or how could you help them when you know they have to leave here at the end of the day and go home to a situation that might not be ideal you know parents might be struggling um, financially they might have substance abuse issues or relationship problems like domestic violence um, so yeah just trying to figure out um, what you can do helping them to name their goals or even find some goals and then developing a plan to achieve those that was um you know the biggest the biggest struggle sometimes wow uh, you are so nice the way you i like the way you kind of fix face the situation in a positive way um instead of actually mm -hmm. picking on them or saying they did this they did that you right you took the time to understand them to empathize mm -hmm. with them because that's i feel like that's how you can get through some people you can get through to you know teenagers because you know like i said they're mm -hmm. struggling with a lot that they are internalizing and they don't know how to vocalize it so getting closer to them yeah. understanding what they're feeling can actually help them out as to stop the whatever uh, their misbehavior you get what i mean so i'm i like the way you are approaching it Thank you. <laughs> I tried and trust me, I had my days at the teen center where even I would just kind of like lose it, you know, and <laughs> that was when, you know, I had to step back and go take a time out. You know, my favorite thing, if it was nice outside, would be to go outside for a few minutes, you know, and just catch my breath, you know, and just get away from everything that I was a lot of times internalizing, you know, I'm, I'm a very empathetic person. So hearing somebody in distress or seeing something that's upsetting, you know, I try not to absorb it, but over time, you know, it just happens. It, it really does. We're all human, you know, and seeing somebody or seeing suffering is, is very upsetting. And that's something that social workers go through every day. I'm glad you mentioned social worker because that's probably one of the things that helped you out because you were once mm -hmm. a social worker and um, in recent time, you are no longer a social worker. So I want to know why. Is it that being a social worker was such a challenge profession for you or you feel like you're no longer deriving any joy from it? Well, you know, when it came to social work, I was very apprehensive to begin with, you know, to go back to school and, and, and take that on because I had heard from so many people and done my own research, you know, of what the field entailed, you know, what things that I was going to see. And, you know, you really are dealing with people at a time of crises, you know, so you it, it's definitely not a field to enter into lightly. Um, and I really... I had the best intentions when I went into that field. I absolutely did. Um, Cause a lot of my previous jobs, like when I was an adjunct English instructor, um, I had a lot of my students coming to me after class and just telling me all the things that they were dealing with, you know, that was making it difficult for them to handle their classwork, you know? And that was one of the biggest, you know, compelling things that made me decided to go back to school. It was like a sign, <laughs> like you need to be doing this. And then when I got into it, you know, you, you, it becomes real <laughs> and, you know, you start to, you, you deal with a lot of things and it's, it's often a combination. Social work is often a combination of, you know, dealing with 
you know, your clients, but also dealing with the politics behind it too. And the policies and the agencies and, you know, especially when I was working for the state of New Jersey, um, I worked for the division of children, <laughs> uh, child protection and permanency, DCPNP. And, you know, to work in child protective services, that's, um, that's probably, I would say from personal experience, it's the toughest sector of social work that you can go into. It, it really is. Um, so while I loved social work, it did start taking a toll on me health-wise. I actually, when I was working at DCPNP, I ended up um, going out on stress leave for a bit um, right before I made the decision to leave. Um, the job just started eating away at me and I started losing weight. I started having issues with my thyroid disorder because I've had I've had a diagnosis of hypothyroidism, which is an underactive thyroid. I've had that diagnosis since I was 19, but all that stress that I was under really aggravated it to the point where you know my body really wasn't functioning the way that it it should have been. Um, so I had to make that decision, unfortunately, to you know leave DCPNP. And, you know, I took some time off away from that. And when I finally ended up at the teen center, I really had found my niche. <laughs> I loved being at the teen center and helping those kids um, because we weren't just dealing with kids in crises. We wanted the teen center to be open to everybody at the at the school. Um, and, you know, we planned events. We took them on trips. We went on college tours. Um, Heck, we even had a huge screen TV so they could play video games, watch Netflix, you name it. These kids had a, you know, they had it made. <laughs> yeah, they did. I really wish that they had a teen center when I was in high school because I would have been there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right? But, you know, after a while, um, one of the biggest factors that impacted me to look elsewhere was the loss of my mother. I lost my mother um, after she fought cancer for about off and on for about 13 years. She had fought breast cancer and had gone into remission. And then it came back about nine, 10 years later and um, it went away again. And then it started coming back for a third time. And shortly after that third diagnosis um, is when she unexpectedly passed away um, Thanksgiving weekend of 2016. So, yeah, that was devastating. That and yeah. you can anybody who knew me at that time knew. Yeah, it was a huge devastation because number one, I was an only child. I was very close with my mother and I had helped her, you know, since she had had the initial diagnosis. And my family was very, very good with helping us as much as they possibly could. And, you know, that kind of loss just really puts things into perspective. And after about two, almost two years at the teen center, I realized that, you know, there weren't too many opportunities for growth there because it was a small staff. It really was. It was our program director. It was our mental health clinician, a part-time case manager, me, I was the full-time case manager and interns that we would get from Stockton University, one of the local uh, colleges here that I went to actually. <laughs> and, um, you know, I made up my mind towards the end of the second year that I really needed to be doing something that was fulfilling me on another level. And as much as I love helping people, it was also very draining for me. So I wanted to, you know, kind of segue into something 
where I could not only help people and impact them, but also light up <laughs> when I do it too and not feel so drained like a battery, you know, at the end yeah. of the day. And writing was something that I started doing when I was a child, thanks to my mother. She gave me my first journal when I was about seven years old and I kept one through elementary school, high school, college. So I have a written record, you know, of growing up, which is great. And I even had a few things published, you know, along the way. And I was like, you know, it's time to pursue, you know, something that I really wanted to do, but kind of was scared to, you know, because growing up, there weren't as many opportunities online like there are now, like self-publishing was something that I never even heard of <laughs> until I became an adult, you know, that it really wasn't talked about too much, like in the nineties when I was a teenager and thinking about college and stuff. So to have all these opportunities now to be able to work from home is a blessing. It really is. Yes. I mean, I work from home and I love it. Like mm -hmm. that's the best. <laughs> Me too. COVID-19 is the perfect job for you right now. Working from the comfort is. of your home. So I'm so happy for you that we're able to discover, you know, your niche, you know, that that mm -hmm. career that makes you happy. And you do have you're now a full full time writer. And on top of that, you do have your own publishing company, you know, called Celestial yes. uh, Publishing Company. So why did you choose yeah. to create a self publishing company instead of a traditional publishing company? That's a good question. <laughs> Well, you know, I weighed my options for years. I had always wanted to be an author, but it just seemed like something that was kind of like, it was something that I thought of, but it never seemed like something I could accomplish. Um, but then, you know, I would say within the past five to 10 years, I started hearing more about being able to self-publish your own books. In fact, I have an aunt who she self-published her memoir, I would say, it's been about 15 years now, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less since she did hers, but it wasn't, self-publishing wasn't at the level that it is now because when she did it, it wasn't like print on demand, like you can do now with, you know, Kindle Direct Publishing. Um, it was more of you put, the, put up the money, get a certain amount of books published, and then you try to sell them. And it's not like that anymore. So since that transition from, you know, doing buying your books in bulk and selling them to having them print on demand, I thought, well, you know what, with so many people publishing their own books, I mean, why not me? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, why not? you know, why? Yeah. Why not cut out the middleman? Why not, you know, remove all the steps that it takes to really query agents and, you know, go through all that hard work to submit your manuscript that may not even get accepted. Honestly, you know, it, the publishing world is, it, it can be very um, difficult to navigate and it's a very tedious process. And I'm not saying that people aren't getting fantastic, um, you know, contracts even now, they still are. But, you know, if you want to put your product out faster, self-publishing is definitely the way to go and you have more you have more control and you have more say in how the book goes you know 
how the cover looks and and all of that and i wanted all of that control i really did yes i can understand why you wanted to have your own um publishing company because when you have your own mm -hmm. you maintain your authenticity you know you maintain who you are mm -hmm. you don't have to do things because you know with the logistic with the business um thing when it comes to anything it's not just writer or uh, writing a book or anything there's a lot of things mm -hmm. that goes in it and some people will tell you this is what people will like this is how it should be and then you ended up compromising mm -hmm. yourself so when you do it your own way yes doing it your having control you tend to maintain your identity you tend to maintain what is it that you're trying to um pass on to people to your readers so i'm glad you choose that path and i'm sure it wasn't it wasn't easy was it <laughs> You know what? When I finally committed to it, it was, but no, initially it was not, <laughs> not at all. Um, yeah. Very intimidating, very scary, you know, but sometimes taking a risk is, is worth it. Definitely. Yes, it yeah. Cause I believe there's no shortcut to success, you know, every, all of no. them takes a process to get there, you know? So um, mm -hmm. I want to know what step did you take to write your book? Because you have a book coming up. What steps did you take? I do. Okay. Well, for this particular book, the idea came to me when I was actually thinking of planning a blog series. I was going to yes. publish it, you know, online, um, just in a way to not only gain more, you know, followers, but also to put the word out about the teen center. It was actually going to be a blog series about the teen center. And I wrote, I started outlining it and I wrote and finished four entries. And I realized that when I got to that fourth one, that there was still a lot more information that I could be putting out to people. And I realized also that instead of, you know, making it a blog series, it should just be a book, you know, just go ahead and accomplish that one goal, you know, that I've always wanted to do. Like, why not? <laughs> I'm glad you do that. Well, um, I don't know. I've never been an author before, so I don't know how hard it is or how what the steps are. But I'm glad you got <laughs> everything under control. And it kind of, um, I yeah. think because we say you have the passion for it. You know, you put your heart and your mind to it. And um, a lot mm -hmm. of people jump from one idea to another because they are lost mm -hmm. or do not know what niche to belong to. What are some of the reasons of stopping blogs? that kind of um, hinder people from actually discovering their niche? You know, and maybe this is just based off of what I saw working with teenagers, is that a lot of times, even though society and sometimes caregivers or parents mean well, I think that because they've had their issues, you know, along the way, and they've already been through the growing pains of going from teenager to adult, they often impose their ideas on their kids. And I think that so many people grow up being fearful that if they don't do, you know, certain things a certain way and take certain steps that, you know, oh my gosh, you know, I'm not going to be successful. I'm not going to find a job. I'm not going to have money. You know, I think that nowadays people are really big on pushing their kids for college and, some kids may not be college material. They, it just may not be for them, you know? And even at, when I was working at the teen center, I would be very vocal and say, you know, college is not for everybody. It's wonderful if you want to go there 
and, you know, get that degree and have that experience, but you shouldn't feel forced to do it. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, they do it out of default and they do it out of fear, you know, because fear of the unknown, you know, fear of failure. Um, and that keeps them from pursuing their, their dreams, you know, yeah. things that they really enjoy doing, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I was guilty of that myself. <laughs> I was. I have, I so. Almost everyone. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of things that add to it is, I think comparison, don't you think comparison do have to do with that too? Yeah, you know, a lot of people, and again, I think we've all been guilty of this, of comparing your life with somebody else's, you know, and just you, you always feel like you have to be on the same, you know, same level as somebody else and doing what they're doing. And, you know, well, I can't be different. And honestly, you know, I find that I'm most fulfilled when I'm being different, <laughs> when I'm doing my own thing and what matters to me, you know, that I've, I've always been, you know, my own self. And whenever I've had to not necessarily compromise, but give up a part of myself to do a particular job or work for a particular company, um, that's usually when you know, the unhappiness, you know, kind of settles in and you start not really enjoying what you're doing as much. And yeah, it can definitely impact your life um, in a negative way if you're not doing what you really should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because um, some people uh, um, do have this um, comparison syndrome uh, where they mm -hmm. compare you know, to them, oh, my peers are doing this. Maybe that's how, that's the road to success. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to do that so I can be successful as this person or this mm -hmm. person, that person. I don't think that would, that would kind of make you, block you. I was, I wouldn't say block, maybe kind of shift your, your focus in something, to mm -hmm. some, something that should have been beneficial. Like it, your dream might be yeah. to be whatever it is, but you're so focused on other people's dream and you will miss mm -hmm. out on that and you delay your own um, dream. So instead of focusing on that person, focus on your own, focus on your own path in life. And by God's grace, mm -hmm. God will direct you to the right path. So um, do you have any words of encouragement for those who have finally, let's say, discovered what they think is their dream career or their niche and they are ready to dive in? And what are some words of encouragement they can give to them? Do what you love. <laughs> and it'll never feel like work. I know. And I know that's like an old cliche, but it, it really is the truth. I mean, yeah, I have my days where I'm stressed out, you know, because I was having issues with the manuscript or, you know, the book cover needed to be revised. But at the end of the day, it was great because, you know, I'm doing something that I love. So, you know, if you follow your heart, the money definitely, it will come you know, you, you shouldn't necessarily just focus on the money. Now, obviously money is important to a certain degree. We can't function in this society without it, but that shouldn't be the end all be all, you know, for why you pursue a certain profession, because after a while that can get, it can get pretty, pretty old. Yes, it will. Are you going to get tired mm -hmm. whenever you remember that job? Or that career that yep. isn't in your dreams, like oh my god, do I have to go to this job again? Don't <laughs> have that 
<laughs> I see so many memes about that. It's ridiculous. Like seriously. And I was there. Like I see so many memes about um, Sundays. You know, people get they really do get anxiety on Sundays because they don't want to go to work on Monday. And I used to get that really badly um, when I was in the field. Um, yeah. So I, I empathize with people on that. You know, that stress and that anxiety is no joke. Yes, it's not a joke. It's not a joke at all. Well, guys, we have mm -hmm. come to the end of this topic, but um, we pretty much don't have any question today. Just commentary from from someone i think it was from um alfredo he said cool i'm part of the intro yes alfredo you are part of the intro thank you so much for coming and um he said i read second timothy 3 and also referenced second um, chronicles 7 14. be prepared and be happy yes you have to be because this word sometimes you can can do some things to you, you know. When the when the world gives you lemon, makes make lemonade, okay. You you gotta survive, you know. You can't just keep uh, going around, you know, feeling sad and everything. It will not help the matter. And he was just basically telling me about the microphone. Thank you so much. Yeah, shout out to Alfredo. He always making sure I'm getting it right. <laughs> Thank you so much for your support. Well, um, Tamika, where can people reach you, you know, if they want to get in contact with you? Okay. Well, of course, my website, which is MikaMurray.com. I know I can see it on my little tag <laughs> on the screen. Um, but my email is also, excuse me, MikaMurray81 at gmail.com. That's the email that I use the most. I have it hooked to my phone. <laughs> so if you send me an email, I will get it right away and try to respond as quickly as possible. And I'm also, I'm on Instagram under Celestial Scribe 81 and also Celestial Publishing LLC has its own page on Instagram. And I'm on Facebook as well. <laughs> All you have to do is type in my name, Tamika M. Murray, and you should be able to find me. Okay, guys, if you go to her website, um, like I have on the screen, it, it has all her social contacts. You have Facebook, Instagram. You're on Twitter too, right? Yes, <laughs> I'm on all of them. <laughs> yes, you have all of them for you to get in contact with her. So if you are if you are into writing and you need some advice when it comes to publishing your first book or anything, she's she's the woman for you, okay? You need to go to her to help you out on it. And... um. Thank you so much, Tamika, for stopping by on Rent Time with Connie podcast. It was a great pleasure talking to you. I'm sure the wisdom that you have shared on this episode will be a blessing to anyone that might be listening or watching, because some people might be listening. They will get to listen to this tomorrow. So I'm sure they'll be blessed by what you said here. And on behalf of my listeners and viewers, we say thank you for coming. And I hope you had fun on this. Aww. I did. I enjoyed myself. <laughs> I'd love to come back someday. <laughs> yes, we'll definitely have you back someday. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching this live stream. And I hope to see you back here again next week. Saturday is going to be a weekly um, live stream at 2.30 p.m. to discuss yet another 
thought-provoking and intriguing topic in relates to entrepreneurship. Thank you and do have a wonderful rest of your day. This is your host, Connie, signing out. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Vent Time with Connie podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Please don't forget to like, rate, review, or share this podcast. Do you have any feedback or questions for Connie or any topics you'd like to discuss on the show? Connie loves communicating with our listeners. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook at Vent Time with Connie or send an email to venttimewithconnie at yahoo.com. Until next time, remain blessed.